Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. So I have to kind of acknowledge my privilege these days in the fact that I'm fairly well established in the industry. I have lots of connections. I've been at this for many years. I've kind of been in the trenches. I've had the the privilege of wearing white gloves. I have a, a Rolodex full of people that I could reach out to if I needed to, uh, like, if I needed to get desperate. Uh, luckily, I'm not there. I have a very good position where I've been able to still reach out to a lot of people. And in recognizing that, I've had to stop and think about the people who don't have the the benefits and the privileges that I have, or they haven't put in the time and the effort and the, the many years of experience that I have. So I was kind of wondering, like, what does it mean to still have a passion for our industry when our, our the doors are basically closed? And it led me to think about the entire field of graduates that were just about to come into our wonderful industry based on their passion and their love for theater and gathering and entertainment. And I don't know what to say to them. So I thought I would reach out to some people that are actually on the front line saying these things to the people and to the students. So uh, today's a, a great day to reach out to a good friend of mine, Christina Watanabe. She's a lighting designer and an educator. She's out of New York City, but she is also an educator at the University of Central Oklahoma and a member of USA 829. So thank you so much for joining me, Christina. I'm sure we'll have a, a good conversation. Maybe you can give us some insight on what the students of tomorrow are facing right now. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Um, boy, I'd love, to, I'd love to give you so much insight. I hope we can find some together because I, I have to be honest, there are so many times when I look to the students for insight and I, I try to be as transparent with them as possible too, that you know, when we're in a lighting class together, I'm like, I expect to learn from them um, as, as maybe, I don't know as much, but you know, equally um, as they're learning from me. So that is, I mean, that's something that's kept me going that the students today are so eager and so hungry to get out there and start working and start expressing themselves. Um, so I, I don't fear for anything coming down the line. I know, I know that there's going to be some really, really brilliant minds getting to showcase their stuff out there when we're, when we're able to. You and I are just of the generation where there was some sort of a clear path out of school into an internship, into either a, a shop and then into uh, a touring role. But, but now there's, 
it seems like all of those are closed. It, I mean, the the next generation, they're going to have to get very creative to find their niche. Uh, how do you, how do we even teach that? Is that a teachable skill? I don't know. I don't even know if it's a skill, but I think something that's been, that's been true of my experience is that I don't think any two people's paths are the same. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's been true right throughout, um, throughout this entire industry. Okay. Maybe. So this one person is going to take a path where, um, you know, they go to, they go to college, then they get their master's and then they move. Okay. I'm, I'll say my path. I went to college. I got, and, and then I, then I moved to New York and then I got my master's and that was a path that was right for me. And that maybe Chris, can I ask you what, what your path to, to where you are right now is if I can put you on. The uh, fairly similar. I went to college then I went to, took a job as a follow spot operator, then a Verilite technician. Eventually they needed somebody to go on the road. I went out on the road, didn't, got off the road, got back on the road, got off the road, got back on the road. <laughs> and now I am off the road working for Ayrton. That's, uh, that's the short of it. So, right. So your path, you know, went, went in turns and in loops and, um, you know, it is, it is like being, being on a bit of a wild roller coaster. And so I think that, you know, we, you, you can't, I, I don't know if anyone has had the same two paths to get to. And I also think like, what is your definition of success? Like, and I think that is something that has to come from you personally, like, like anything. It's like, well, what do you want to do? You know, um, do you want to work in regional theaters? Do you want to be an educator? Do you want to work on Broadway, um, like take take a good look at at what that is. And equally important, what I think think that sometimes people fail to recognize, and I know that was that's been my experience too. I have to keep reminding myself is that knowing what you don't want to do is equally as important as knowing what it is that you want to do. I know that that uh, pretty early on when I was in college, you know they we, you know students students run shows. And I was like, oh man, I do not like running shows. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> let me, so, so being a follow spot operator, for example, would not be a career path or choice that I would pursue um, because I don't like, it's like, I just don't like it. It's not for me. Um, so very, I think very nobly of the people who it is for, because um, mm-hmm. I think it's great, but it's also one of those things that, you know, if I hadn't had that experience in school, um, you know, I'm so grateful that I had that experience because it was like, okay, you know, I tried it, I did it. Um, it's not for me, but also being in that collegiate environment is a very safe environment for you to try something and to decide, ooh, no, I mean, you know, see it through because you commit to something, so see it through. You know, hopefully it's not such a, such a traumatizing experience that you, you need to quit halfway through the run. Um, if it is, please talk to your professors or somebody. Um, <laughs> or talk to me, like send me an email, whatever, we'll work through it together. Um, but that, you know, um, I would say the same thing is true of, um, geez, what were some of the other things that I tried? I dabbled in, in sound design a little, and I'm like, eh, you know, no, not for me. Um, part of my program is that we had to um, also take courses in scenic design, we had to take courses in, I took an acting class that was part of my program requirements and I I pushed it off and I pushed it off. And then 
here I was a, a junior in college with all the incoming acting freshmen um, taking taking acting one because I, I pushed it off for a couple of years. Um, so, you know, all of those all of those experiences influence who you are. And so I was like, okay, if I wasn't if I wasn't sure at the beginning of college that I didn't want to act, I'm very sure now <laughs> that I don't want to act. Um, but you know, I did something that was scary for me, and that that makes you grow. Yeah, there's uh, that we share that. I uh, I took two two classes in college, one acting and one directing, and I knew that I did not want to do either of them. I <laughs> there was no spark, no Kindle, no nothing there. I just did not have a passion for it. And that now I know I, I'm one hundred percent positive that I like being on this side of the stage and this side of the lights and not the other. I don't want the lights in my eyes. That's for sure. And, I, and, and what a great opportunity though, that you had those experiences because I, I believe like now that you've done that, I think that helps you speak to actors better. It helps you make speak to directors better. You're a better collaborator because you've gone through, through some of the same, um, not same training or, but you, you have a bit of shared experience and shared language. Um, you know, it's one thing like, okay, we're all in this theater together, but it's like, well, we all have different experiences that we bring with us. It's definitely uh, a shared experience. And I can, I gained respect. You know, a lot of people like to sit in their armchair and say, oh, acting is so easy. You just go up there and say your lines, but it's, it's not nobody, there's a reason some people are in their armchairs and some people are up there acting, making, making the big dollars because it's, it's not easy, you know, it's yeah. definitely something that I learned how scary and how much self-control you need to be on the other side of the lights. And yeah, there's so much trust involved too. I mean, I like actors, I think are so, are so brave just to be able to, to go out there and really leave everything out there on stage. Um, you know, no, when it is night after night on stage, when they leave it out on stage night after night. Mm-hmm. So you were teaching before the pandemic and you're teaching uh, during the pandemic. What sort of changes have you had to make? I can only imagine that uh, your whole, your, your lighting career and your teaching uh, career have both been flipped on their heads these days. Yeah. So, Oh boy. Um, all right. Yeah. It's been, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, yes, the answer to your question is yes. Um, so, I mean, I would say teaching, again, this, is, this has go, goes to so much respect to actors. Um, one thing that I learned very quickly teaching during a pandemic where all of my students and, and I am masked and distanced is that I really have to push to talk to the students who are sitting in the back of the class to make sure they can hear me and understand me. And this, you know, the first day or two teaching under those conditions. I was like, oh man, my, I can really feel in my voice is so tired. And I was expelling all of, I don't know, I was giving out all of this extra energy. And then I, I learned really quickly that PowerPoint is my best friend. Um, and so I put all of my lectures on, on PowerPoint and that way I feel like I'm not, um, I'm not pushing my body as hard. Um, but I was like, yeah, I mean, that was not, not a part of the acting class that I took to heart was with projection, I suppose. <laughs> that's not how my lung muscles work. <laughs> Your diaphragm is not as developed yet. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I miss those, those training days, but um, yeah, I think, 
Did you have to venture into online learning at all? I, I do have some of my classes. So some of the students, um, if they needed to quarantine for whatever reason, they would take the class online. So it is, it's not truly hybrid, but it's, it's hybrid enough. Like the idea is that we're, um, it's designed to be an in-person class. And if a student needs to attend via Zoom, um, it's really, all the classes are set up um, so that it's really easy. All the classes have these giant TVs and cameras in it. So as long as I know that the student is going to be attending via Zoom, it's, it's a pretty simple transition. Although I don't always know students, if you need to attend during Zoom for any reason, please just let your teachers know because I don't always turn it on. If I don't, if the student doesn't email me and say, oh, I need to attend during Zoom, it's like, fine, I just like, we can do it, it's easy. But I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting there checking my email five minutes before class starts. I'm like getting ready to start class. My little, my little soapbox tangent of help, help us help you. So basically you've been able to extend your teaching from just the classroom to basically the, the whole world at this point. You, you're, people are embracing the Zoom teaching model. Yes, absolutely. And I will say some lessons, some lessons work better over Zoom than others. That's true. Um, there was this one, this one class session that I remember, this was actually for the stage management class that I taught, where there were only two students you know, for, for various reasons, only two students showed up for the in-person class out of, um, I think I had 13 in the class total. So there were, you know, the vast majority of the students were on Zoom and these two students were sat in class. And I told them very honestly, like, you all are going to have a great learning experience today. And, you know, and I'm going to do everything I can for the students on Zoom to make, to make that paired up. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, I feel like very similarly between teaching in person and, and theater in person too. It's like you you will get an experience over Zoom. It will not be the same experience as if we are in the same room. And I and that I recognize true for that. most everything these days. It's so true. Yeah. And I and I and I recognize there's so many advantages to being on Zoom. You know, like like we're having this conversation right now. And I feel like also an asynchronous learning model where a lecture is recorded to play back to be played back later is a really really great opportunity for students who might have um, family or work obligations that might not have the ability to attend that class so it's like okay if I can still watch the class later and still be caught up with the class you know that seems like that's something that could be a more equitable learning experience for everyone do you have to explain to the students that that there is no industry to go into right now are, are they are they are they still motivated and are, do you have to give them extra encouragement or like, what do you what do you say to them or do you do you just have to listen to their concerns i do i do listen to their concerns and i was actually i was talking um with another another um person who's, who's currently a grad student um not in my program and and she was, she's, you know, rightfully concerned, like, what, what, what is this? Like, what's going to happen? Um, and to that, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm just honest with, you know, I'm, I always try to be really honest with anybody who asks me a question. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know the answer and I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know what's going to happen when we get back. Um, I do know that we will be back. That, that part is, is true. Hands down. That's true. Um, human, human beings need need this it's like you know but we also need to live and survive and not try to 
tell other people as we're doing this. <laughs> we um, do. That's important. That's also very important. One of the things I just realized is that when you and I were coming up, if we, there had been a pandemic, we would be 100% just dead in the water. There would be nowhere for us to go because we didn't have the technology available to us. The next generation of students, they have online uh, entertainment that you and I didn't have available to us. I would imagine that they could take the computer skills and the, the entertainment skills that they've learned and just apply them in a digital realm. Is that something that's coming up uh, in your, in the academic setting? I've seen that a lot in some of the other programs is that especially for this coming year, they're focusing on um, digital content and digital performance. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think that's, that's an interesting path to take. Um, my, my experience in that is very limited. You know, I was, I was part of an online production was, was structured um, in the spirit of a Zoom party. Um, so, you know, on, on the onset, we are, we were taking, uh, we were very, very low tech production. Um, and my involvement was speaking to the actors who, again, are like my personal heroes for this. Cause I was like, okay, move the lamp closer to yourself. No, that's too close. Push it further away. Do you have a t-shirt you can throw over this lamp so that the light isn't so bright on your face? Is that window open? Can you close the shades on that window? Um, you know, kind of going through all of these step-by-step -step conversations for actors, again, who are their own tech crew for these performances, you know, making sure that they have all the support that they need. And at the same time, they're also like delivering a performance. Oh, this is Which an is interesting just, tangent. You had to be an online lighting designer director for actors. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, this was a this was a production um, called Carlos Quince, which was originally um, conceived as an immersive experience. And I just, you know, we were we were supposed to we were supposed to go into tech the weekend that everything shut down. So then they decided to switch that to to an instead of being an immersive in-person experience, it was an immersive online um, experience. So just in order to, um, to, just to help the actors like create a more um, stylized, it was more like I was a lighting stylist actually, now come to think of it. Lighting stylist? Because that's what it felt like. It was like, you know, one I, I would ask, okay, what do you have? Like, do you have a standing lamp? Do you have a table lamp? Do you have extension cords? Um, what is it that we can send to you to help? Um, and it was a very, it was a very range. Some of some of the actors had these like very great kits that would just that would just make them look gorgeous. Um, it, I mean, they're gorgeous to begin, but like really, you're like, oh, I'm on the set of a movie. But however, that wasn't quite right for the the show that we were doing because it's like, okay, well, you know, the the this the character Abuelita, the character of the grandmother, she wouldn't have all of this, like she, her Zoom wouldn't look like she's on the set of a movie. You know, her Zoom would be much more keyed down. So it was really a different way of involving the character for the actor. And then, but, and also making sure that, you know, we can see everything clearly, where does the shadow land? So yeah, it was more, more of a- Wow, <laughs> how creative. Basically, yeah. you did. That's exactly the sort of creativity that I would imagine that you have to impart on your, on the students. Say, look, no matter what the restrictions, no matter what the obstacles, you have to adjust. 
If, if, if there are no jobs for lighting designers or directors, you're a lighting stylist now. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a, it, a bit of an out-of-body experience, too, because I kept wanting to, like, reach through the screen <laughs> <laughs> and be like, no, I'm just going to, I can, I can just, er. um, and sometimes I'm like, can you just turn your computer so that I can see where you put the lamp because, because something, and then we'd be like, no, camera left or your, or something. It was, um, it was a trip. Wow. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the stuff that they're doing with, with OBS is incredible and, and I know very little about that I so that is you know I have to admit that lapsed in my in my experience and training um, but I would say yeah students who are who are about to graduate just graduating um, like what a fun thing to learn you know uh, what I what I'm mean, like just opportunities that are out there and then there's the idea that okay you've you know you've had four years of of training in theater whether or not you're specializing in a design field or you're specializing as a performer ultimately and this is my soapbox for arts and education like literally you can work anywhere in the world because what you have learned in your theater training is how to be a collaborator how to be organized how to be on time how to work with difficult people um they're all of these skills that really really do genuinely translate to anything so I think it all circles back to the question what do you want to do yeah I can't think of an industry in the world that doesn't require some level of entertainment some level of spectacle or some level of I mean, even the politics that you're just mentioning the the things that we have to do to collaborate with well let's say some hard characters or some bad actors even you know mm -hmm. there's there's lots of skills that and th those are the things that you can get in college. Those are the ways that you can do it in a safe environment. So it must be such a great opportunity for the, the students to soak that up from you. I mean, you are, you're one of the, the people that are actually out there doing this for a profession. And then you're bringing that wealth of knowledge into the classroom. You feel like you're actually able to take the real world lessons and bring them to the kids into that safe environment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I draw on my experiences all the time. You know, we'll be going through something, we're learning, uh, I'm trying to even think of it, we're, we're learning about, you know, light plots. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, here, here's the light plot that I made. Um, and then my favorite thing too, it's like, do you, why don't you all look for some mistakes? I was like, I know there are mistakes on this light plot. Um, you know, why don't you tell, tell me, what do you see? Um, what is what is easy to read about this? What is hard to read about this? Um, so, in you know, opening opening myself up for criticism, as much as I expect any of the students to be open up, you know, I'm not um, absolved from any of that. Uh, and and I like to think that by leading by that example, it, it also shows students how to take criticism and also be constructive in the criticism that they give to their peers as well, um, where it's not like Oh, Christina, I can't believe you, you know, you forgot to, you, I don't know, you, you forgot to put a unit number in this channel. I don't know, this is the best, the best example. Mm -hmm. um, or no, that was, this is, okay, this is, I'm going to tell on myself now, because this is what actually happened, is that I, I did, I had deleted a light from um, this plot that I made, and I did not renumber the units. So one of the students was like, where's unit five? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know what, where is unit five? It doesn't exist anymore. 
So that's a mistake that I made. Um, right on. And yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, by, by being honest about this, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to talk my way out of it. I'm like, oh no, that is, I did that right, actually, because <laughs> X, Y, Z, something I made up because I'm the teacher and I'm always right. I'm like, no, that's terrible. Like I'm, I am a human being. Um, <laughs> Don't you see and, the jacket with the leather patches? I'm the teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Um, oh, I should get one of those jackets, but yeah. And, 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 <laughs> you know, and that's why, that's why, you know, when I, I introduced the, the master electrician at the school, you know, we'll, we'll go take a tour of the theater and it's like the master electrician is my partner, um, you know, because I, I, I give her the information and she deciphers it. And then sometimes she's like, Christina, what did you do this thing for? I'm like, yeah, that's true. We, we don't have that many 50 degree barrels. I got excited and I was like, we're going to put lights on floor mounts everywhere. And then she's like, no, we're not. Yep. You are right. I will. I will reel that in a little bit. Um, but so you said that you brought in your plot. Do we, do we still teach paper plots anymore? Oh, ooh. um, I, well, I brought in a digital version. So I think, okay. So it was on, it was on my PowerPoint and I did print out handouts for the students. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I think I like, especially when it, cause I, so the students that I was working with this past semester, um, none of whom were lighting majors in specific, this is, a, this is an intro to lighting class. So there are some of the exercises that we did um, where I did, I did have them drawing by hand. It's like, everyone needs to bring a pencil with an eraser to class. Um, and we're going to, we're going to learn this, you know, step-by-step step. we like talked about angles and I'm like, okay, everybody get out your protractor. We're going to draw a 45 degree angle. Um, and then, you know, as I see their eyes like widen with fear, <laughs> yes, I know this is, this is scary. Cause I'm using, I'm talking about math. Um, and you thought you were getting a theater degree, but math is very important in lighting. Um, and, you know, I try to, I enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I like math. That's good to know. I'm glad to know that the pencils are still hitting the paper and we're still using, I would imagine we're still using templates to at least yeah. get the, the, the spark going. Yep. And that's the thing where I feel like, yes, ultimately, um, you know, like in my, in my, my lighting one class, which I'll be teaching this semester. It's like, yes, I'm going to introduce computer drafting in this class, but I think there's something, you know, I was pulling out one of my, one of my the very first light plot I made probably, which when I was in high school and I didn't have a lighting template, you know, I, I was using circles and squares and triangles to, to indicate these different types of lights. Um, Cause I like, I didn't, uh, I'm trying to think of what year that is. In fact, it works. It's probably called Minicad back then. You know, like it was um, a different era. But I feel like you know, we're we're talking about how people have different paths. And I was like, I'm going to start on the path that I took because that's what I'm most familiar with, and I want to introduce it to students this way. So it's like if you're scribbling on a piece of paper to just try to get your idea out. And again, that's all. All it is is, is communication. And what is your idea and how do you convey your idea to someone else who is not inside of your brain? And again, <laughs> that, that definitely circles back to my soapbox about how with a theater degree, you really, really can do anything you want. 
Yeah, if you can't get your your idea down on a bar napkin or a piece of paper, you're gonna get overwhelmed trying to put it together in Vectorworks. Yeah. That's uh, I, I still to this day when I do an idea, it usually ends up on a bar napkin or at least scribbled on a piece of paper before it ever makes it into a digital realm. Right. And I also think that it's, it's somehow comforting. So for me, when I, when I scribble something down on a piece of paper, I try to make it not precious. You know, I, I don't want to try to edit myself before I've gotten something down. Whereas I think, and I, and I actually, I'm curious if it's different for students now who are so used to doing things on a computer they're like oh I can type this on a computer and delete it but if I write it down somehow does that feel more precious whereas I'm the opposite I'm like I'm going to write this down until it's good enough to go on the computer and now now I wonder if that if that is maybe reversed um Hmm. yeah interesting but I mean I and I will say that something, probably one of the greatest things that, that ever happened to me when I was presenting my thesis, and this is my, my thesis for my master's. So it's very, you know, it's a very big, big hullabaloo. And, you know, and I'm nervous and I'm dressed nice and we're, we're bringing in guests and I have my light plots laid out and I have my, my photos, my model photos on the wall um, and I'm getting ready, ready to present. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of our guests, comes in, you know, it's first thing in the morning, he's got his cup of coffee and he's wandering over, he's looking at the plot and he bends down to get a closer look at the light plot and his coffee spills all over the light plot. And I was just kind of watching this happen in slow motion. And at the same time, I'm like, huh, he just spilled coffee all over this. But I'm like, I can't, I can't be bothered by that. You know, and, and in many ways, I'm, that like helped me relax and help me let go. I'm like, you know, it's just a light plot. You can still read it. <laughs> it's, like, it's a shame that there's coffee on it. And, you know, like, let's hope that, it, you know, the whole, whole room kind of smells like coffee like, right now. But, you know, I'm going to present my thesis um, and just not be so precious about things. How Buddhist of you. You just, <laughs> I can't uncoffee the lighting plot, so... Yeah. I was like, if, you know, like I had choices basically at that moment, right. Where it's like, I could, I could scream and panic and run to the computer lab to try to print out another light plot. And then that would probably make my presentation start five minutes late. And I'm sure I would be completely flustered and embarrassed and all of these things like, or I could be like, well, that just happened. Let's move on. All of my plots come in different flavors. This is the coffee flavor. Uh, coming soon, strawberry, apricot, vanilla. Yes, the, the summer flavors. That's <laughs> College students definitely prefer the, the coffee-flavored lighting plots, I would imagine. That's just one of those things you can't get from Vectorworks. They don't even offer a coffee-flavored lighting plot, as far as I know. Maybe in 2022. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure they'll try it and then we'll, they'll, we'll, they'll beta test it on us and then they'll, they'll ruin it and then they'll abandon it. That's how it goes. Um, but also students listening, please don't spill coffee on your light plots before turning them in. No. Seriously, get a cap. We, we have yeah. the technology nowadays. <laughs> so one of the things that is kind of a side alley for you outside of the teaching is the mentorships. Uh, you were part of the USITT uh, Gateway Mentorship in 2018, 19, and 20. Uh, how does that 
is that just a more specific education path or is that is mentorship completely separate this i mean it, it's it's completely separate so um the mentorship program the gate usitt gateway mentorship program is um is for students of uh people who are in unrepresented populations in the theatrical industry um can apply to this program to be paired up with a gateway mentor so we have gateway mentees um who tend to be in their junior senior year of college, although I could be wrong. I don't want to actually quote, but uh, okay. but, they're, but they're in college, also paired then paired with a, a mentor who is who is in their field, um, who has had maybe similar experiences that they've had, um, and it's I guess I, I describe it a little bit like the buddy system. Um, and it's such a great program. It's something that I'd wish that I, that it had existed, um, you know, when I was in college. I do remember going to a couple of these conferences and just being overwhelmed and terrified and that I didn't know where to go or, or who to talk to. And I felt, you know, some of the people that I did talk to, they didn't take me seriously. They didn't want to give me the time of day. So that's like my personal mission when I'm, when I'm working with these students. I'm like, who do you want to talk to? okay, go like one, go talk to them. So I'm not here to fight your battles for you. Um, but two, if you're having trouble talking to them, okay, that's, I'm, I'm going to go help and, and make this connection or, you know, try to try to talk to that person beforehand and say, Hey, you know, this person is interested in talking to you. Um, Cause I think that's such, it's such a, a wild way to get to know so many different um Again, we're like talking about paths, but there's so many different paths in this industry. And I think those conferences are a great way to showcase so many, so many different avenues. That's amazing. That is basically a direct window into an introduction to a professional in the field. Basically, they can apply, and if they if they have shown the amount of passion necessary they can get a direct introduction to somebody like you or a Ken Billington or a Jeff Rabbits or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I mean, I think this, this, this program, this mentorship is just, is, is geared um, towards helping the next generation of students. Um, and, and again, it's like, what do you, what do you want to do with it? You know, one of my first mentees um, was maybe interested in lighting. They were like, oh, maybe, I'll, you know, I took this lighting class and it was kind of cool. So they paired it with, with me, but actually during the conference, they they learned so much about some, some different opportunities. And they were like, maybe I actually wanna start working more into, into EDI, equity, diversion and inclusion fields within the, within the industry. And that became okay. something they were really excited about. Um, so for me, I was like, "Whoa, I don't know. I know a lot about lighting, um, but I can also, <laughs> I can also maybe connect you to people who are now more about what you, what you're interested in." Right on. So, what does that entail? Do you take them? Do they go to? Do you guys go to lunch together? Do you guys go to a show together? Do you just exchange emails, or how does it uh, play out? In in years past, um, we would meet as a cohort the day before the conference begins. Um, we would have some sessions that we would attend together. Um, and then they were, there were some sessions, um, you know, I mean, conferences like wall to wall sessions, right. 
Um, so there were a few sessions in particular that we, we would attend as a group. Um, and then some sessions you're like, oh, I'm really interested in learning um, more about intimacy direction or I'm more interested in learning about um, OSHA safety. And for your mentee, it, it depends on the mentee too. I think most of them, you're like, okay, great. You know, go, go see that class, go attend that workshop, go talk to that person. Um, you know, trying, trying not to hover, trying to make sure that the student still gets a full conference experience on their own, but more, seeing it more as being like a, a safety net so that you can then say, okay, well, what, like, what did you learn? What was exciting for you about that? And just making okay. sure that that access is, is kind of at the forefront, which, and which I know USITT, and, and I'm speaking mostly about this as the conference that I'm most familiar with now, but like access is, is really important for USITT as a right. whole. But yeah, like sometimes, like I said, it can get overwhelming, especially if you've never been to any sort of conference like that. It's overwhelming. Oh yeah, for me. I can only. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can only imagine being a junior with all the hopes and aspirations in the world, and going to a plaza floor, or a USITT floor, and going, like, "Who do I? Who do I talk to? Like, how do I even know who is offering? Who? How do I know who's interested? I'd imagine to be able to just hang out." with Christina for a lunch period and go like, Hey, look, I want to meet, I would love to meet Jeff rabbits. Can you introduce me? Like, well, I can, I can make an introduction, but beyond that, it's on you. And I, even that is, right. do they ever get yeah. so bold as to be like, Hey, Christina, I would love to be an intern for you and follow you around on the road. Oh, I wish I could have interns. I don't have enough work. <laughs> ah. <laughs> But, you know, and I, I love speaking to students. So I'm always like, you know, email me. I'm, you know, again, I'm like, I'm very honest. I'm like, I, I probably don't have the right answer. You know, I might not have an answer. Um, I might be just as scared and nervous as you are, but we can be scared and nervous together. We can talk about things that we can do together. Uh, if somebody were to come to you today and ask you the, the same thing they would have asked in 2018, what would you be able to say today like if they were to say, so I want to work on Broadway this year. And obviously that's impossible, but I mean, there also, there clearly has to be some way to make art and, and at least make it profitable. He said, I would imagine that there's, do you even have an answer nowadays? I, I do. Actually, this came up in conversation a couple of weeks ago where, um, there's this article in Forbes that uh, maybe I'll see if I can't send you the link because I'm not remembering it, the title of it closely, okay. but the, um, it was one of the, one of the many articles about like, what is theater going to look like in the future? And the article was saying that this, and this is no surprise to anybody that because of the cost of living in places like New York City, there might not be as many artists in New York City when we come back because the people have to be able to go where they can afford to live and eat. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the life necessities. So they were saying that there are uh, markets, strong theater markets in which the cost of living isn't as high. Um, they're predicting that those are about to be um, magnets for a lot of artists to come together and really start creating some interesting work. So I'm excited to see what's happening, what's going to be happening in the regions. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to be happening in New York. I mean, I'm, I'm like excited to see what's going to happen. This is, this is the thing that's like a bit of my mantra is like something's going to happen. It always does. Um, 
And it's like, well, we don't, we don't know what it's going to be. So that's like, we adventure. And I know, I know some people are like, no, please, I want off, I want off this ride. It's, it's a lot. And it's like, yes, mm-hmm. okay, if you like take a break, take a breather. Yes, the world is spinning out of control and it is, it is scary. Um, <laughs> but it's some of, you know, focus on the things that you, that you can control. Make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're drinking water, make sure you're eating and, and trying to take care of yourself, um, making sure that you're taking care of others as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a that's an interesting idea that I haven't thought of. Uh, there's quite a few people I've talked to that have left New York City to get away from the hotspots, and they've ended up in Denver, they've ended up in Oklahoma, they've ended up in Florida, they've ended up in all these areas. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, New York level talent dispersed all over the country at this t- at the moment. And they're going to, they're not going to stop creating art. They're going to do it wherever they are. Right. And that's actually what's really exciting. It's like, oh, okay. So we have now this opportunity to bring, you know, these, these new ideas. Uh, and, and, and not saying that the people who have lived in these regions aren't also working right. to, to help give voices to, to the, to the, to their community and their support. But now all of a sudden you have, it's like you have reinforcements coming in. Now we have all of these strengths and ideas and all of this, this mind melt happening in a place that hasn't had just the sheer number of artists before. And it's like, well, okay, how can we now, um, engage in the community to maybe open up some minds, maybe help people become more empathetic. That is a, that's, that's, that's very optimistic. That is some insight that I hadn't thought of before that, you know, we're just going to disperse that, that talent. And, and like you, I think the best word you use was reinforcements. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. So we're almost out of time, but one of the questions I really wanted to get to is when you're, teaching and let's do the teaching question first. And then in your own profession second, do you encourage others to follow the rules or do you encourage them to break the rules? And then after teaching, do you do the, do you find you do the same in your own, in your own work? Yeah. So what I, what I say to my students is that you have to know the rules before you can break them. Um, Clever. And I, and I feel like I, I do that in my, my professional life as well, too. So this was, again, in my intro class, you know, I'm telling everybody, okay, we're going we're gonna to start off when, in order to figure out where, the, where we need to put the light by drawing a 45-degree angle. And then I gave them a trick where I placed the person in a position in the theater, um, and I put the back of the theater wall there so they couldn't get a 45-degree angle. And so some of the, some of the students didn't quite recognize that there was a brick wall there and they drew the 45 degree angle anyway. So I was like, well, good, good luck with that. And then some of the students are like, wait, no, but hold on. There's this wall here. We can't do a 45 degree angle. It's like, okay, well, what, what's your next best option? Like if you can't do the thing that you want, what is your next best option? And again, like here's the whole thesis of our conversation. It's like, well, we can't do live theater right now what is your next best option? Like, what can you do? Oh, that's a, that's a great way to summarize everything that we've just been talking about. Yeah. I'm sorry. You can't do that right now. 
Are you, what are you going to do? You going to sit home and cry? No, you're yeah. going to come up with your second best option. Right. Sometimes you sit home and cry too, but like, that's... <laughs> there's no shame both. in sitting home and crying. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe do cry both. first like, sit home and, cry one day and then, and then you're like, okay, what can I do? <laughs> if you are at home sitting home and crying right now, it's okay. We all understand that it, uh, get, get the cry out. But, uh, when you're done crying, stand up and find your second best option. Yeah. Drink a glass of water. <laughs> and my, some of my students are probably like tired of, of hearing me say that, but I was like, let's all just drink some water, right? Like, oh, I need it. <laughs> Man, it's, uh, I feel like I've uh, had a, a lesson with the Buddha today. It's like, yeah, just drink some water and uh, try not to spill coffee on the, uh, on the plots. You say it very matter of fact and very succinctly. That, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I just try to, again, it's, it's all about like, what, what can you control? And, and, you know, and as I'm saying this, this is just a reminder for myself too, because I'm not, you know, they're the, the words that I say in that, again, I'm like, right, am I saying this as advice to other people or just are like reminders to myself? Well, thank you so much, Christina. I really appreciate it. I, I know that you're very busy these days uh, in Florida at the moment, in between classes. Uh, I know you're traveling from one place to another, so Thank you so much for taking time with me. I appreciate it. It was nice to, to be on this Zoom call with you. 